Charlie Gladstone here and welcome to episode 18 of my Mavericks podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining me. Welcome or welcome back. I'm really grateful to you for coming. Today's conversation is with Alex Beck and Will Hudson, who are right at the centre of London's creative industry. They run a couple of agencies called It's Nice That and Anyways. They're widely respected and although Alex and Will are relatively young people, I think in their early 30s, they've come a huge distance and if you speak to people in the creative industries in London, it's very rarely that they won't say, I love that agency, I love what they do. So they're very busy making money, of course, and also doing some good stuff, trying essentially to connect their industry with young people and make their, I suppose, demystify their industry. What's really interesting about these two is that they were university friends. I find that absolutely fascinating. Will started It's Nice That as a project at school, a university rather, a sort of uh, passion project. There's a lot to learn in this conversation, I'm sure from relatively young people, whether you're just going about your daily life or whether you're starting out to set up your own business. What strikes me most significantly about their work though is that it's surrounded by positivity. A lot of that, a lot of the stuff they do really is nice. It's good stuff. It's it's optimistic. And so when they agreed to do a conversation with me, I went over to their office in London Bridge and there's a very unassuming black door outside the office and it says simply it's nice that and anyways. So I rang on the bell and I was welcomed in and immediately greeted by a sea of fashionable MDF and even more fashionable, young, smiling, cheerful, creative people. I had a quick tour of the office, which looks out over a wonderful canal. And then we sat down in one of their meeting rooms and had a chat. This is the first time that I've actually done a conversation with two people for this podcast. So I hope that it makes audio sense. I imagine that Alex and Will probably speak as one anyway. So I hope that you enjoy this. And without further ado, here are Alex Beck and Will Hudson. But my, my take on this is that you've created what, in a relatively short time, what is widely regarded as one of the best creative agencies, multidisciplinary agencies anywhere in Britain. And so I'm intrigued as to kind of how that went about. So Will, kind of, do you want to kick us off? Um, yeah, well, it was. I mean, it's nice that which is the which is the website that um, most people know within the industry started as a university project, and it, it it's just. And I think part of the reason why it's got to where it is is it started with with such small ambition. It started as something to just put something out into the world that existed, and we. Were, I think a combination of there weren't a huge amount of people doing it when we did, and I think we've always maintained that the stuff that we were posting and writing about other people liked. I think so, so tell so so what what was that stuff? So it was it's it is almost always graphic design illustration photography is at its heart. Um, and it's it's people's work, um, current projects or a portfolio of work and us highlighting it and saying, hey there's something in this. Um, but it I think the advantage is it goes far broader than that. It's it's art, it's animation, it's film, it's fashion it's, it's everything. And I think in, when it started, it was just, I mean, nice is one of those words which is 
can infuriate people because it kind of means nothing. But that also was kind of the point is, is that it was just there's something about this that we quite like, be it an idea, yes. be it an aesthetic. And actually, even today, I'd say a massive part of that is still true. I just think we go about it in a much more professional way. We have people that can write who are writing about this stuff. It's not me trying to cobble together a couple of sentences. Um, and um, Alex? We've always had that mantra of champion creativity. I think that's the easiest way of doing it. Imagine a website you go to that just champions amazing creative people and projects that are happening in the world. And I think that's... The th that's the thing, and I think the thing that really resonated. If I look back to that one week project at university with a goal of two so people, so you two at were at university together. And yeah, friends there. Yeah, where, where was that? Brighton. Okay, um, but we only you did. It's nice that it's nice that it was nothing to do with me on record, really, for the first bit. Um, but we lived together, and we were, you know, it was just we were just mates interested in showing stuff to other people. I think I helped write a bit at the beginning, but really it was just a desire to show the world stuff in an accessible way. I think the challenge that um, I faced, certainly when I left, was that the design industry can really alienate people. It can make you feel like an idiot. It can, it can go, it can be like the fine art world, I think, which is, you know, you don't understand this, so you're not worthy of looking at it, and you don't understand it. But that's by necessity, isn't it, in the art world, and in the design world to an extent, because if you make it, I, I imagine the, the sort of mantra is, if you make it too accessible, then people might think they can do it themselves. And that's exactly what we wanted to do, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the idea of not feeling like an idiot because you didn't know what that, that photograph meant was massively important, and that's why I think the name has stuck, is that very essence of, oh, it's nice that. That's all you need to know about it. Yes, so... so Fast forward how many years to where we are now? Ten years. So ten years in April was, was it's nice that existing. And then I think we always use January 2009 as when. So uh, it launched in the final year. We both went and got jobs elsewhere. Um, we were getting offered a few things off another project that we'd done. And I think we were both, not necessarily having frustrations within the jobs that we were having, but I think we saw an opportunity to do something ourselves. So January 2009 is when we always said we kind of sat down and started going to work to work on something together, um, which would have been the same time that you kind of bought 50% of It's Nice That, which, again, 50% yeah. of something that <laughs> isn't worth very much is quite easy to and buy. And you're, you're the sole owners of it now. Yeah, so we... So you've managed to build it. So now here we are, like, essentially 10 years later, and you've got 20-something people working in this office. About 30 people, yeah. 30 people. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is a pretty astonishing thing because, great, so you've got its nice ass and it still is a really good um, chronicle of interesting things. There's always something new on it every day. How do you go about, you know, earning the money? I mean, did you, who was your first client, for example? I mean, we got very lucky with earning the money. It was, very, it was quite evident early on we weren't going to earn much money out of It's Nice That because with an audience, I think in 2009, maybe 80,000 people, which sounds like a lot, but in a media world, you don't make, you make money out of advertising yes. and no one wants to advertise to 80,000 people. No. It's not enough. So I never trust those statistics no. anyway, really. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we've always been too honest with them, probably. We probably yes. could have got, we probably could have done much better in the beginning, but we got lucky in that um, Nike were our first ever client um, commercially as an agency, if you will, and they put two and two together for us, is that we met some great people there covering a show um, in Paris, because Nike wanted to be on the website. Will you come to this show and review the show? We met the CEO, we met Mark Parker, you know, we got given this incredible access, and we didn't really appreciate it, I don't think. Got reminded it's Nike and not Nike. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Did he, he recognise 
he just recognised something. I don't know. I don't know how much he had to do with it, but we left him a magazine and we met some, of, we met some people there who basically joined the dots for us and said, hey, you guys know all the best creative talent working in the world today. We need to make some artwork for a media day we've got coming up. Could you commission someone to do it? And we were like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so actually that was quite a logical thing, yeah. wasn't it? That they, they saw you, you had this amazing collection of all this um, stuff and you knew everyone. Yeah. Um, so that, that, yeah, that was quite logical. Exactly right. And that's really how we made the money because there was... Nike or brand were used to spending money to make what's now called content or they're used to making stuff to showcase what they were doing so we just commissioned one of our tutors actually one of our mates some other people to make these great bits of artwork for a football media day and we loved it and there was proper money at the end and that's probably the first time we paid ourselves really from it's nice that yeah yeah but it grew very in that 10 years it's grown so I'd say conservatively and organically we've never We've never kind of, we've always recruited that next person when we believe the work was there. We probably did um, that job. We, we probably worked for a good two years without anyone else. And we would just, we'd just make sure that it's nice that was, was doing what it's nice that needed to do when we did the magazine. The kind of commercial work would stop for a bit and then we'd pick it up the other, the other side. I think we were, we had that kind of youthful exuberance that meant that we'd be up for going to work and starting early. We never worked particularly late. We'd always be in early, do a full day. I think with being two of us, it was very easy to go, are you doing that bit? Great, I'll do this bit. Yes. And therefore, it's, if, if, it's, if you're not doing it and the other person's not, no one else is. So you've kind of just got to get on. I, actually, do you know, I think that I, I was speaking, I mean, I probably like you do a lot of kind of mild mentoring of, of young people. And the biggest mistake I ever made was still, I still do, but starting off by myself. Mm. Because when the, you know, when the shit hits the fan, it's really good to have someone to talk to. Absolutely. And it, so you, Alex, do most of the finance stuff, do you now? Yep. And did you learn that on the job? Yeah, absolutely. And That's I th- amazing. I think the things we've been, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't profess to being any good at it. I, I, I'm good at it enough for our group, and it's nice that maybe if we were another 30 people, it would be beyond me. But um, what... I would attribute that to, as I would attribute making a magazine, doing a commercial job, doing an ad, employing someone, having HR policies, is when you don't know, we were always very open, accessible to ask yes. questions to people who are much better yeah. than us. So we had an accountant who was Will's family accountant, you know, who we met through that. And we had business advisors or friends and dads who would go, have you thought about HR policies? And we go, What's, what's one of them? Like, well, I'm not yeah. going to tell you, but I think you should look at what an HR policy yes. might be. It's like, oh, that's interesting. So we were very, there's no, never any ego. One of our values is about um, it being egoless here. And actually that really helped you grow a business because the pe- I think where you stumble is if um, I pretended I was great at the finance, didn't ask anyone about it. Yes. Rather than go, I'm not sure what a cash flow forecast is and I'm what not scared of being yeah. an idiot about that. So, you, so there's, there's been no hubris which is very important, in other words you haven't wanted to go around saying to your people in the other career, the, re, the rest of the creative world, we've got 120 employees, so you haven't done that but there's also been this kind of your character is, is all over the business, do you still do the kind of HR, the sort of pep talks, the bad stuff yourselves? Yeah, I mean, for our direct reports we do. We've always believed in hierarchy management structures, which is probably quite against a lot of these cool creative businesses. But we, I guess we were, um, we've got our business now from great companies looking at a Paul Smith or a John Lewis or really fantastic, quite old school businesses. But we believe that 
in us having direct reports and those direct reports having direct reports and actually there being somewhere in a tree in a hierarchy that's useful. I don't believe, I guess I'm sure I'll speak for us both, we don't believe in completely flat structures. What we believe... No, they don't work anyway. What we believe in is empowering people to do the job we've asked them to do and if they can do it, great. They can take the reins and they can fly through that organisation and if they can't, then they don't. But that has to... That, I suppose my point is that has to come from you. It's very... I mean, I imagine, does it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we... Um, have senior staff now we didn't always have senior staff and actually when they when they're having those challenges with staff below them you've got to kind of you've got to yeah walk them through it I think you can't always just step in and go right okay Mm. here we go let's go it's about talking to them and and also it's it it shouldn't there's a danger that all this conversation is kind of um, leaning on the negative side of things actually it's when people are absolutely flying or they've done something great it's challenging them then to go right how are you going to kind of recognise that how are you going to support that and, and trying to get the best out of them there because again, it would be very easy for us to just step in at that point and go, oh, that thing you did, that was great. And it's like, actually, it's, it can't always come from us. It has to come from those mm. managers. My, my view on this is that, so I, I employ maybe 130 or 40 people. And what I realise is that um, I, I often really punish myself for not being rich. I just think you've worked <laughs> so hard, you should be rich. But then I realise that actually what I like most of all are people. I mean, I love my work, but actually I like the people. And... I don't necessarily want to be liked by the people, but I want them to be reasonably happy. Do you think that both of you are like that? I've had a big problem with wanting to be liked the whole time, yeah. yeah. I found it really difficult, especially from an MD perspective. Over the years, I've got much better at, um, I guess, convincing myself that I'm allowed to ask for more or be unhappy with people and things mm. like that. But that's been a personal um, development, which also I think people forget is we've only really had one job or two jobs, right? So we are constantly trying to invest in our own development through training and coaching and reading and asking questions that people just assume we know what to do. I mean, there was a time where monthly we were on, we were on call to our HR um, advisor or something help, else, you know, what, the whole trying time. trying to get help into the management. Yeah, and things. what do I do with this? This thing has happened, I've got no idea what to do. And people <laughs> see now that, oh, great, you guys know exactly what to do, but no way, we no, never no, did. I think it's really important. Just, just tell me some of your clients, because you've got, I mean, I don't know how discreet you have to be, but I mean, you've got some amazing clients, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, on both sides of the business, really, because we kind of run two different businesses now, one a publishing company, and it's nice that, and one an agency in any ways. On any ways, we're lucky that Nike are our most recent client and our first, so we've worked with them for however many years that is. Um, Google and Uniqlo, BBC, historically, um, lots of great new clients that we probably can't say yet, but there's loads of amazing stuff there, and equally on the It's Nice That side, you know, people like the Comrade Shop and Channel 4 and, you know, I mean, dream brands to work with. And we've always, I think we've been very fortunate that um, the world and those brands have valued creativity in the last mm. 10 years. Because yeah. at the beginning, we were talking about the value of creativity in a business perspective, which now seems laughable, thanks to Simon Sinek and everyone else. The idea that creativity was a valuable asset, like HR and like uh, a pipeline and everything else was laughable was when it? we started. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I suppose you were also you started at a really weird time economically as mm. well, where everyone was cutting back and dreading what might happen. Well, this is the first dip. Last year was the first dip we've ever seen in our business lives, and that has been, from an MD perspective, has been a beautiful challenge because we've had to work different muscles mm. and we've had to think in slightly different ways. And actually, from a learning perspective, it's been amazing. I mean, it's been some painful at times, but equally really, um, weirdly, sadistically enjoyable afterwards to go, hey, we navigated that. 
we, we're not just like fair weather sailors, we can sort the tricky yes. stuff out as well. Yes. So ju- just, just lingering on that for a second, I mean, do you guys ever, I mean, how do you deal with conflict between the two of you? Like, I mean, because I know my experience is there is nothing more stressful in life, and maybe I haven't faced real hardship, than going through a difficult period in, in business. Um, and, and you kind of, you know, you know that thing where you, everyone else is getting paid, and you're thinking, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I assume, you know, I, I'm not asking whether you've been quite that far, but, you know. We've, in the, in the eight years we've been doing this, I can't think of um, kind of any kind of heated conversations. It's always been pretty amicable. I think the, the trick to how we've managed to do that is we've always been open and honest, and we've tried to flag things up as soon as possible. So not letting them get to the point where... With each other. It's, yeah, with yeah. each other. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we... Again, when it was a small business, we'd have sat next to each other and anything we, we'd have just chatted about straight away. Now we meet every Monday morning, do 30, 40 minutes before the week starts to just run through where we're at with stuff. It just... I think it's just... That's how we've dealt with it. I think we're also quite... Even though I think we've got stiff, very different skill sets, I think we're actually quite similar people. And actually, I think we're both err on the side of caution... I think we both kind of, so we're, we're again, I'm trying to think of those challenges that we've had, be it kind of cash flow or um, uh, personnel or those things. I think we just, we've learned that we can reach a far better outcome by just chatting to one another, deciding what the best route of action is, and then just keeping in touch with each other Mm. And, and supporting as and when's necessary. And also, I think probably... I could think of loads, Johnny, no. <laughs> I think at the beginning, we probably... We, it was more... It was harder to work together because we didn't understand each other as well. We didn't have the skills to deal with each other maybe as well. And actually, we kind of... We solved it rather than by fighting and getting annoyed and not work on the business. Actually, trying to get more help for each other to you know, coaching and understanding what someone needed out of a situation or negotiation or asking them what's important to them. or We kind of skilled ourselves to not have that conflict, I think. Probably yes. only in hindsight do I see it like that. But also... Well, even, I think you've done very well because I don't think it's, it's easy, that thing, necessarily. We've got, plenty, we've got plenty of years left. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do think we've also, we've come at it at a kind of similar time in our lives. So we were mates first at uni. Yes. Both graduated at the same You're time. Exactly both same moved age. To, yeah. yeah. We've both kind of I nah, we'll started a family a little bit sooner. You're married before me. We've both kind of bought houses at roughly the same time. We've we're going through those things at the same time. It's mm. not like this we're going off on tangents of, well I need this from it. I need this from it. It's I think all those conversations around money and stuff have, have always been pretty realistic. Yeah. I think as soon as our ambitions don't align, you're done. I don't think there's any way you can run something 50-50 because you're not, you're not going for the same thing. And luckily, although our personal lives have changed immeasurably and also at completely different rates, we've still both wanted kind of the same thing out of it. But yes. I dare say that in the next 20 years, if that changes, I bet it's a better conclusion not to do it together. Sure. Yes, yes. But I mean, I think, you know, that one of the things I always realise is that very, very few brands and companies survive for an enormously long time. Mm. And even those that are household names, mm. you know, often disappear during our lives. Mm. So one of the things which I'm really interested in, which is partly I've, I've, I've observed, because Tara, my daughter, works for you, is that you, you genuinely do this stuff, which so many companies talk about, which is almost forcing people to leave at six o'clock. Or now I gather they're allowed to come in early and leave early and... You know, there's a sort of genuine respect for national holidays like Christmas and things. 
Is, is that something that's come because you two have got children? Because my other experience of certain other creative agencies that some of my children have worked for is that these, this kind of pitch thing or this deadline thing is so consuming mm. that it actually makes people very unhappy. But mm. is that something you set out to do or has it come as a result of having children? And Well, I, I mean, I don't have children, but no, um, I, I'm married, so that always helped me. I tell you what, I think we're much better at it than we used to be. I think if we look back, we, were, we, we did work like... I mean, it was much harder when there were two of us, but I think it's been natural. I can't remember genuinely in the last five or six years when we've worked heavily at the weekend that we've been here. Yeah, I agree. It just doesn't happen, but we kind of want that for everyone else, and when you're in a position like we are... It's quite... easy to say, and I suppose my point is easy to say, yeah. and everyone pays lip service to it, but it seems to me to be much harder to do, I think. I think that... I think going back to something I said earlier, which is that we started early. I think when you start early and you get, I mean, I used to, we used to get to work at like seven o'clock um, to start, which means if you do two hours before people walk in at five to nine, they don't know when you started. So actually it means you can leave at six and people go, or I mean, I think we used to leave at about seven o'clock regularly, but certainly before I had kids, I think I'd probably work through to about seven-ish and then head home. So when you left at seven-ish, everyone else kind of goes, oh yeah, cool, I'm off, I'm going. Yes because they don't know where you've started. Whereas if we started at nine and worked through till nine and did the two hours the other end, everyone would be like, oh shit, I've got to stick around. Like, do I want I, to be seen I, as going? I think there's lots of role modeling. I then, I think that probably in answer to your question, quite natural at the beginning and actually understanding the benefit of a work-life balance. But then now, more interestingly, I think, is that something like flexi time. So we allow people to you know, do their hours when um, it's suitable and that suits their lifestyle a little bit more. So we give some flex in the nine to six. We're doing that now because the competition in the creative agency space and the creative property space is huge. So actually we can't still, as a 50-50 owned independent company with 30 people in this tricky economic time, we can't give um, you know, the salaries Google can or the salaries Widen and Kendi can. So we look at it rather than ignore that and go, well, it's just something we can't do. Go, well, we can give yes, this. Yeah. We can give yes. five days at Christmas for free. We can give a bit extra holiday. We can give flexi time. We can make sure you get um, toil and time off if you work and above hours. And you can give praise to your individual staff, yeah. which of course is, you know, I'm not sure what the statistics are, but a lot of employees say that's worth, you know, Twenty mm. percent of salary yeah. actually getting praised, but but I, I suppose that then there's this weird fine line which I've always struggled with, which is between absolutely accepting and agreeing what you both said, but then also wanting to show your work ethic mm. because that is that is a hard one, isn't it? Because there is is there not a part of you that kind of says, but you know we better be seen to be working really hard. Mm. But I think I would hope that that comes across in a nine to six. I think if you're, and I think one of the increasing challenges to modern work is doing effective work between a nine to six. I think actually, if you want to kind of do very kind of light skim and dip in and out of various different tasks for half your day, but stay three hours later, I'd much rather you just worked, kind of got deep work and concentrated focus, time and attention on stuff, and you got to have a life outside of work before yes. or after weekends. I think also the thing of, the pitching and like it's it this shouldn't be portrayed as it's always a nine to six and people don't work long hours or weekends. Yes, the nature of the beast is every now and again that happens. I think what we've learned and what we're getting better at is recognizing that and giving them the time off elsewhere. Yeah. As, as long as it's unavoidable. If we could have got freelance or um, 
if we could have dealt with it in other ways, then actually maybe we've made a few mistakes. But actually, if, if the workload falls at that point, fine, get it done. But know that actually in the next couple of weeks, take the two days yes. that you did. Because actually delivering the work on time, good, good quality. Well, it, it, all the it rest clearly of it. works, that mm. policy, because of, of all the amazing clients and all the great work you're doing. But you, you two also seem to have kind of, I, I suppose at the core of this company or these companies, the brand seems to me to be one of genuine sort of youthful positivity. Mm -hmm. Long it, may that continue. But I it, don't feels, know. it feels <laughs> like that. I mean, I know there's always an extent where you're putting things out where you're feeling mm -hmm. absolutely miserable. I'm more meant as we get older, can we can we maintain that? I think, and that's what I think we try and do through, I'm quite through a lot the workforce. I seem to have managed to sustain <laughs> it in my life. Well, I, I think you're living proof then, but can, it is. And I think yeah. we need your, we need the rule book then. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think we have to. We continue to enjoy it, or we wouldn't be here, right? yes. for sure. So I think that is a critical one of where it's about showing the ethic or getting the values. I think if we didn't enjoy it very quickly, that would seep through. But I mean, from the hours thing earlier, I mean, I start at eight every single day, whether I'm here or not, because I enjoy it and I want to do that job. Yes. Otherwise, actually, if I was waiting till nine to just crawl in and start, then whoa. Like if anyone's doing that, they need to really come and they need to think, talk, talk to themselves about how they're spending their life. There's yes. something out there that they can do that they're going to really love. And that, that's not here. That's cool. Yes. It's the same with me, the same with Will. If I feel like we live in a very privileged world where there is opportunities for creative people to go and do amazing things at any number of companies, any number of cities, any number of opportunities. Yes. So, you, yes. so but you're also high, I mean, you're highly productive because when you, I mean, there's this huge, so you do all this agency work, which is really interesting, and and that is essentially kind of what Anyways, which is a, a newly named bit of the company, does. And and, and obviously that there's a lot of work there, but then there's a huge amount coming out of it. It's nice that, and, and endless new projects. I mean, there's, I, I, I know that lots of people will know your magazine printed pages, but then there's also the, the new newspaper and, and lecture in progress, which I think is really interesting because what you're doing there as far as I can work out is just trying to help young people to find out about how to get into this business what what things are you know I suppose what you've learned but but in, but am I right in saying you're almost offering that as a sort of free service is only paid by advertisers so it's free to so so first thing is it's a totally separate business in its own right under the group um so it's a new business and it's exactly what you've just said it's to help the kind of next generation of creators understand what day-to-day -day industry is and and it's off the back of a whole load of conversations with current students and recent grads that spend three years studying something and then kind of go I don't really know exactly where I fit in. Like, yes, if you've studied graphic design, know you want to be a graphic designer, then that's a pretty straightforward yes. route. But actually, you look at um, anyways, half the people are producers, project managers, and I'd say the vast majority of those have come off creative courses. So it's just, it's celebrating and championing that breadth of job roles that exist to try and help people as early as possible identify, right, I'm creatively aware, I'm super organised. Technically, I'm not as good as other people in my, in my class, um, but I'm super collaborative and I, I want to work in this area and actually here's two or three jobs that actually you can go and do and be a really um, positive and um, like vital part of the creative process. Yes. There's, there's an interesting point as well from my, I mean this was a university project right and now 10 years on it isn't and we are on the side of industry if you will and yes. we haven't seen, correct me if I'm wrong Will, creative careers advice change in 10 years. 
So what, yeah. it, what it always felt like it needed was industry to go, hey, this is what's happening, this is what you can do. So now we're in that position, we can't sit there, whether it, it costs us money every single year or not, we can't sit there and go, oh, that'll sort itself out. Now yes. we are the ones who should be and will be tasked with sorting it out. And we, I feel like we're as capable as anyone else. So if that's the case, then we almost have a, a duty with this great industry that has given us our jobs to do so something. So in some ways, this is what the story that you always hear about the fashion industry, isn't it? You know, someone goes to um, some sort of you know, art school, they learn how to cut an amazing cloth, and then they actually, no one ever tells them that you, you know, about margin or, or yeah. you know, how, how to market things. So what you're trying to do, although I'm sure there's a vested interest, which is a good one, and in attracting good people, is just sort of say, we understand that your university probably will give you amazing skills in a very specific skill set, but we would like to show you, A, what you could do in terms of job title, yeah. be how you might do it and also yeah. I think you know you're a cool parent and actually Tara maybe listened to you along the way I think there's lots of um, people getting careers advice from their parents who they're like well I'm never going to go and do that or from yes. their schools and it's not an inspirational exciting thing no. it's a oh well I was an accountant, so I think you should be an accountant. It's just a lack of information for those people to give the right advice. So, Absolutely. But, I mean, but, you but know, university would have no notion of what it was that you guys mm. did, you know, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't understand. They'd just think someone just does that stuff. Well, I was, I was thinking exactly the same. Yeah. But there's, there's a bigger point here, which is probably about diversity and the, the problem in diversity in our industry is huge, absolutely massive from an ethnic um, background. That for me, the big reason for that or a massive reason is um, understanding information for those people who aren't um, you know if they're not right. getting advice so about if this not industry, in a circle, <coughs> you don't know so yeah. how can we and that isn't the first goal but in 10 years I'd hope that lecture in progress the information on there can get to a GCSE student whose dad thinks he should be an accountant mm. and go actually I love film I'll go and be a film runner that sounds great oh and it pays money and these are people who did it and here's some companies I could talk yes. to that's that for me is the so longest first place you have to understand what a runner yeah, is exactly right yeah, yeah. And, and, and know someone to ask and then presumably by creating this whole kind of wealth of all these interesting sources of information that helps you again, and this is why I mentioned the vested interest to attract really good people because they. I think I think I think naturally there'd be a knock-on effect of that, but that's definitely not the priority. I think it's more about looking at the industry as a whole. How do we make sure that the industry as a whole thrives and is is as good as it can possibly be? And I think with that happening, we, along with a whole lot of other people, will see the knock-on effect. Mm. I think actually with the the volume of people that we want to talk to, actually. I don't think either of our businesses in the next 10 years will be more than 30 people. So it's not like we're, we're, we're recruiting loads. Yes, if we were no. a, we a thousand-person creative agency, actually to, to build something like that, to just cherry-pick them, um, would make sense. But I think you it's more about... Get, you know, you want to get the best people. I mean, you've got all the attractions. Yeah, We've talked of about of kind of, you know, environment mm. and, and great yeah. clients and, you know, and, and personality, but it's still really good to get the best people. Of course. I've been kind of following that yeah. since I... Um... I think also, importantly for disclosure, you know, we hope Lecture in Progress is a commercially viable business. Yes. You know, that's that um, attract advertisers and also is paid for by professional members in the industry who want to know this too for 30 quid a year. Well, I, I was <coughs> struck by um, the, uh, the issue, uh, the Anthony Burrell mm. issue. By, mm. so you've got some amazing advertisers. Yeah. So it clearly is... Um... Well, well, we're trying to think about it slightly differently. So we're trying to get... Um, 
uh, brands on board for uh, a year-long patron. So it'll be a brand patron, and part of that you get advertising in newspaper, presence on every page of the website, mention on podcasts, kind of trying to sell a one package to one brand so that we don't spend a lot of time trying to sell different things to different people. Mm. And actually, I think within that space, we need to be careful with things like sponsored content and native advertising, and actually to try and keep it as editorially unbiased as possible and just go, yes, there are these brands that that either want to see um, kind of more from a philanthropic, yes, we believe in this thing and we want to be associated with it, or we have a product or service that's absolutely ideal for your um, your readers and we just want to make sure they're totally aware of yeah. who and, it and is. The, and the brands we've gone with are um, so Squarespace, GF Smith, are brands we have relationships with, right? Yes. And then, um, again, full disclosure, the other patron is the Paul Smith Foundation and we've known Paul himself for ever since we did the first magazine, so seven years, and that was just a happenstance of, hey, Paul, we went and asked him some advice about our new project in the education space, and he went, oh, well, maybe I could help. But there's never, none of those relationships we ever went, oh, we'll build this education thing, and then we'll get these advertisers no, no, to it's the other way around. Yeah. It's the other way around. No, I totally understand yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. actually, Paul, with that initial bit of investment, helped us also make sure that it was always free for students. In this first year, actually, guys, this needs to be free for students. Let's do that. We didn't have that capacity on our own. It's amazing. It's actually, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting because it seems to me that it's amazing that someone else hasn't been doing this for 15 years. Mm. We love you hearing know. that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the perfect comment on anything that you do. Isn't it? Isn't no, it? Yeah. of course right. it is. But, but it's really interesting. But also, I think with that, it's, that's also a kind of reminder to go, why haven't they? Is it actually really difficult? Is it actually, have, have many people tried and it's just not worked? It's, it's, it, it is a bit of a beast to try and tackle. And I think it is, but if your content is good and your manner is right, then your people will be like moths to the light, I think. Because, touch people, you know, no, but people are, you know, yeah. If people, if it feels right, it'll work. I guess if, if the magazine or the publication feels right, yeah. it'll work. And if it doesn't, it won't. Yeah. We so the quality of the content and its its whole sort of feeling and vibe, I guess, is the essential. Thing. And we have a very unique viewpoint on it, like I described. Right. I think also there's we have have been working this industry for a long time from a university project. We kind of feel like we're still there. And yes. so we can empathise with actually the struggles that all oh, the things that could have helped us and maybe the other businesses doing it are doing it for different reasons than maybe we're coming at it. The same as how it's nice that started. I feel like our motives um, are slightly different, but they are still naive and they're still kind of, um, you know, I don't know, idealistic. Do you, do you think, I mean, that, that's really interesting and, and I, I think I know the answer, but do you think that's partly why you are so successful? What we've never had a plan, basically. Yeah, no, it's I think not so. that sort of that, yeah, that that youthful enthusiasm is still running. Through well, people, it. I mean, there's that that hideous word that I'd never used to describe us, um, but is used by brands all this over the good. time of this idea of <laughs> authenticity. We want to be an authentic brand, and actually, that we've never thought about that ever. But all we did was we did something we believed was interesting and that we wanted to see and other people liked it and that's why we have a business. So yes. if people weren't looking at It's Nice That in 2009, we wouldn't have stopped our jobs and done It's Nice That. Yes. So it's different. I find it more amazing, these companies who come up with incredible ideas, get 10 million quid's worth of investment and build a company of 100 people. Like That sounds much harder than, yes. hey, here's a nice little idea. Oh, some people like it. Oh, we'll make it a bit bigger. And that, that the, the other option sounds much more exhausting, I think. Yeah, you yeah. just have to be the... You, I think you got it early. You have to be the right type of person to want to do it. There's no right way. 
So I, I'll tell you one of the things which I, I think is, um, you've just touched on, which is really interesting, is, um, and it's this is slightly off-piece, but it's this notion of avoiding jargon. So, you know, you're, you are fundamentally communicators. You're communicating with your clients, you're communicating with your clients' customers, and you're communicating with your staff. Do you, I mean, I have a personal, hitherto undisclosed, fight against jargon. Because I find, particularly in email, it's very good, to, very easy to start to kind of adopt phrases. Because, you know... We all do it, right? I mean. mm. yeah, yeah, we all do it. But do you, I mean, do you... So the, that's, you know, slightly unexpected question, but... Do you try and avoid that? I think we, we definitely try and avoid it, but I think the nature of, um, of, of those cliched phrases are that they, they start to be used and then they become far too popular and everyone uses them and then they take but on a life of their own. there's always just a good way of saying it, by the way. Yeah. Oh, completely. I mean, you know, in the past. Also, Alex's, Alex's favourite one at the moment is synergy. But we wouldn't get away with it. <laughs> like, if we used them for a bit, everyone in there would go, what are you talking about? And I think the flip but, side... So we've been bad a lot of the time, especially as an agency, I think. We've been bad at playing the agency game. Yes. And actually, the, the, um, I guess the, the other side of that coin is actually we've been terrible about promoting ourselves as an agency because yeah. we feel like it's nice that's just talking the whole time and, you know, that's doing it. But actually, as an agency, have we ever entered an award? No. Have we ever shouted or been really confident about our work? No. We're not those people. And that, from an agency perspective, actually is a slight detriment. We don't need to use jargon, but um, for every, you know, reaction, there's another, there's a reaction, right? And actually, this egoless way out probably we could be much, much, much bigger or we could solve a few of our issues by being just slightly more confident or a bit more sure of ourselves. Yes, yeah. yes, you're, you're, you're staggeringly British. Yeah, so that... I, I'm actually, I'm fine enough, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly told to stop doing myself down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, from a, we just had some new business consultants um, come and help us and ask us a few hard questions. Of course. <laughs> and they came in and um, spoke to us and that was one of them. It's like, you know... I remember saying that, oh, yeah, it's nice that's seen as a, as a bit of an authority in the creative world. They're like, oh, man, like, how, how, how much less excited could you make this sound? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we are the authority on the creative world. Yes. And they're like, say that. And you're like, well, yes. that bit doesn't come naturally to us. So that is another thing that, again, from a skills point of view, I think over the next few years, not to, we need to find our own way of doing that. But it we do need to find a way of right doing it. It right back to the beginning of the word nice, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, you, you could have, if you called it it's absolutely the best that, yeah. <laughs> then we probably wouldn't be here where we are now. I hope not, yeah, because no one needs that. <laughs> Thanks so much to Alex and Will for that conversation. What I try to do with this is obviously unpick what it is that people do, but try and learn more about how they do it and why they do it and who they are as people and what they bring to whatever else it is that they do. If you're interested in finding out more about their work from a professional angle, there are plenty of interviews online that you can no doubt Google. I had a look at a few of them myself before I did this talk and I just have a sense that I hope that you've got something of general interest from this. Anyway, so thank you very much again to them. Thank you very much to you. Thank you very much to my friend Jim Friend for so generously continuing to edit this. Actually, I say generously, I do pay him, but he's, he's really good at it. So thank you very much and see you soon.